welcome to the Karen Kenny Show. This is the place where we take a no bullshit look at life's little lessons. Here, together, we find the spiritual glory in even the most wicked hard story. This is a journey from fear back to love and how we can find our greatest strength and happiness in some of the most unlikely places. I believe that if you're willing to change your mind, you can totally change your life. So, are you ready to rewrite your story and choose to live free? Let's do this. Hey, you guys. (laughs) Welcome. Welcome to, I think it's going to be episode 39 of the Karen Kenny show. And I think this sucker actually is going to be dropping on um, Thanksgiving day. If I, if I have my math, my math, correct. (laughs) If I've done the math right, uh, this sucker will be dropping on, um, on Thanksgiving day, 2019. And I'm going to call this one. I think I'm going to call it life goes on life goes on. So I'm just going to dive right into this. And I'm going to try to keep this one short, especially if it's a holiday episode, because I want you to get back to doing the shit that's really important to you. Like maybe uh, getting some rest, spending time with your family, maybe, maybe eating a cruelty-free, <laughs> fingers crossed from us vegans. Thanksgiving is a tough holiday for us vegans, uh, because we're, we're so aware of the millions upon millions of poor innocent birds that get slaughtered. So people, I always think it's so funny that we celebrate gratitude by um, eating a murdered animal. <laughs> so oh, not to make you feel guilty or bad, just being honest. Um, I think that there are many delicious things we could be eating except for, um, you know, a feathered, a feathered friend of ours. <laughs> so I'll leave it at that. Um, Okay, so life goes on. So I'm just going to dive into this. And the uh, if you listen to episode 37, uh, episode 37, I think was uh, oh, when life, when life is a motherfucker. <laughs> and then episode 38 was my beautiful friend Stacy Krecklow was on the show, and uh, or Krecklow, I should say. And um, and uh, now 39, here we are. But if you listen to 37, you heard me talking about. Um, my little furry kid, Susie Rabbit, my cat. Um, and uh, the, 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 bottom, like, the bottom line is a straight up line is she is no longer with us. And if you're an animal lover, you know how hard, ooh, how hard that, that decision is to make when you have to do the, um, the hard thing, but the right thing, the compassionate thing, the merciful thing, but the difficult thing of saying goodbye to them. You know? and, um, you know, and a lot of people have been asking me, they're like, I know how much you love your furry kids. You know, how are you doing? And I always say, I'm, you know, I'm doing great. And the reason why I'm doing great is because I learned the hard way as a kid, <laughs> what it was like to not process your grief. And for a lot of reasons, it wasn't my fault. I was a little kid. I didn't know any better. And I wasn't exactly getting uh, like guidance, you know, from my fairy godmother or anything like that, (laughs) you know? So I had a lot of delayed grief when it came to my mother's death. You know, most of you know, my mom died when I was 12, she was killed. And, um, and so I didn't really do a lot of my grieving until much later in life. And that screws with you big time. So this is a combination of these two things. So when people say to me, how are you doing? And I say, I'm doing great. And I'm doing great because 
I have learned to feel my feelings while I'm feeling them. So when I get sad about little Susie Rabbit, I let myself cry. And then I get right back to the business of being one of God's kids and being awesome and being joyous and being happy and like doing the work that I came here to do. Um, I fully and deeply feel the feelings. And then, and we're back, right? So I'm not suppressing anything. I'm not stuffing anything. I'm not making myself feel stupid or weird or weak because I'm crying. It's like, I just deeply, deeply feel them. And then I get back to feeling grateful that I had 13 years with her. And then I got to be her mom and like all the amazing memories that I have of her and what a little weirdo she was and stuff like that. Right. And so I allow myself to just be in the flow in the process of missing her and then coming back to gratitude and coming back to the happiness and the peace that is my natural inheritance. And so when I feel it, I feel it. I don't stuff it. I don't like, you know, do anything. I just say, you know, and there have been times, you know, it's like, all right, I, I have to get through this because life goes on. This is a thing that's so fascinating, you know, is that, you know, life doesn't give a shit <laughs> that something or somebody you love just died. And so I'll never forget this, you guys, when I was like, so I'm 12 years old, my mother had just been killed. And I, and, and she was basically, I say, my mother was found, her body was found on a Thursday around 11 a.m. ish right? And she was in the ground buried gone by Saturday, that following Saturday. So I don't even know if it was like a full 48 hours. Uh, and she was just like gone. But I'll never forget that we, her, her mass was at the, uh, was at St. Michael's Church in North Andover, Massachusetts. And the funeral home was just like literally like a couple of blocks. I don't even think they were blocks. It was like right down the street. But for whatever reason, we still, you know, just took a limo from the funeral home. <laughs> right to the church, which like could have walked. But I remember being in the limo after the wake, after the, the wake services, which were private and just for like family and wicked close friends, small affair. And I remember getting in the, uh, I'll never, ever, ever forget this. I remember getting in the limo and my sister was to my far left. My auntie Connie was in the middle and then I was on the right. And I just didn't want anybody to touch me. I didn't want anybody to look at me. I didn't want anybody to talk. Like I was just like deep within myself, right? I was a wicked introverted kid in a lot of ways. You know, I mean, people don't ever believe this, but I was and I am. You know, now they call me an ambivert, but I was actually kind of like an introverted kid. And here was the thing, because I knew nothing could truly comfort me. All I wanted was my mother. Like I just wanted her to not be dead. I wanted her to be alive and that's what I wanted. So anybody else's offering of kindness to me, um, even though like psychologically, right? And physically, I probably desperately needed it. I could not receive it. I could not accept it. So I remember my auntie trying to comfort me and being like, ew, no, leave me alone. And I was pressed as far as I could to the right. I was like shoving my tiny body like into the corner. I wasn't that tiny, but you know, I was 12. But I was like shoving my body into the corner as close to the window, as close to the, like my side of the car as I could to get, to get away from anybody touching me. And I remember looking out the window and seeing this, these really happy people coming out of the coffee shop, <laughs> holding their coffees in their hands. And it was so sunny and so bright out. We were having an extremely warm May in 1981. This is like May 9th, I want to say. And I see these, this, these people laughing. And I will never forget the thought that I had when I saw their laughter and their joy and their ease. I just thought, 
don't they know she's dead? I found it so mind-boggling that the person that I love most in the world could be gone, could be brutally murdered, but like life just continued as normal for like the rest of the world. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'll never forget that concept was really hard for me at 12 years old to go like, wow, like I'm like suffering. I I'm suffering so much. I'm probably like having an out of body experience, right? Because I'm watching, I'm, I'm witnessing all this stuff around me. And just thinking like, how could anybody laugh again? How could the sun be shining? How could anybody be happy? Don't they know my mom is dead? Like, I'll just never forget that. And so it occurred to me very quickly after that, oh, life doesn't give a shit that you're like a little kid without a mother, <laughs> right? Like life is just going to go on because that's what life does. And I used to kind of resent that. I used to think it was cruel, right? I used to just think like, wow, how can people just do that? And then of course, as we get older, we see it time and time again. Like even when like a famous person, I find this, this so fascinating, this kind of, it's kind of like a little glimpse into the, into the mindset of, of um, the mindset of our collective culture, right? Which is like, even when like, Somebody really big died. Like, I'll never forget. I'll never forget when Princess Diana died. I'll never forget exactly where I was, exactly who I was with. I was in Montecito, California. I was standing next to Marianne Williamson. I was in her library area, living room area. I'll never forget standing transfixed and frozen, watching the news of learning of her death. Like, I will never, ever, ever forget that moment. Like, there have been certain places and times where I've just been, where I've been like, wow, like, life just significantly changed. So when famous people die, like, I remember exactly where I was, right, when I heard that Prince died. I remember exactly where I was. Like, when the famous people die, like, even this, like, when, like, this year, like, we lost so many incredible musicians, right, over the past couple of years. And you think about, like, you know, Tom Petty and David Bowie and Prince and, like, the it's just, like, staggering. And it's just, like, Oh yeah. Like collectively the culture grieves for like a couple of days. And then most people, I'm not saying all, but then most people, they go right back to like life going on. And there's something a little horrifying about this, <laughs> right? But there's also something really deeply humbling about this. And what it has taught me is that I'm like, I am like a blip on the screen of humanity. I am not that fucking important, right? Do you know what I mean? It's like, oh yeah, like if I were to die, like, yeah, my kids would miss me. Like my furry kids would miss me. My sweetie would miss me. You know, a handful of people, <laughs> you know, some close friends, maybe a few family members would miss me. But then eventually like people are going to have to get up and like they're going to have to brush their teeth and they're going to have to pay their bills. And they're going to have to go to the bathroom and take showers and eat some food eventually. And like the wheel of this grind of the life continues on without us. Now, before, you know, I've heard people say like, you know, um, I don't know, I guess I'll speak for myself. I'm not going to speak for other people. I think for myself, like before that used to really bother me because it, it was like, wow, it's we, on some level, it feels so inconsequential. You know, like when like Nelson Mandela died or Maya Angelou died or like incredible writers when Toni Morrison just died or like, you know, incredible, like when you think about like, you know, people in like the generation just a little bit before me. 
you know, because they saw like Martin Luther King Jr. shot. They saw Bobby Kennedy. They saw Jack Kennedy. They saw Gandhi, like the people that saw like these huge, you know, these huge leaders who, who Malcolm X, right? When they saw these huge leaders that were killed. But then it was like, oh, but there's still jobs to do. And the trash still needs to be taken out. And like, you know, there's this thing where you start to realize like, oh, and for some people, it can be a really scary um, thought. But for me, it was very sobering. And it helped me to get over myself really quickly. <laughs> because part of it is like, I'm not leaving like human kids behind. Like a lot of people have kids to extend their legacy or to extend their DNA or extend their genes, right? And I just kind of really get on some level that, this body is inconsequential and that it's like, this isn't who I really am. Anyways, I am spirit. I may seem embodied in this lifetime. Right. But I'm like, I don't like have kids. You know what I'll probably leave behind is a legacy of words, right? My big mouth, the podcast books that I write teachings that I share, and hopefully they'll be helpful and hopefully they'll echo out. Like hopefully they'll echo out right? And make a difference and land in some hearts and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, man, it's like this world is so temporary. It's like a bloop, a little blip on the screen. But we live on like who we truly are as ideas in the mind of God. Like that's eternity. That's like forever. So here it can get a little weird when hard stuff happens, but then you realize like, oh, life just goes on. And if you don't get right with it, like if you don't get right with it, if you don't make peace with this, you will start to suffer because you'll actually start to resent people and you'll be like, how can you just forget? And it will feel like you're stuck in a time warp, but everybody else is moving on. Like you're trapped in a moment in time where you either got really bad news or somebody you love died, or that's the moment when the divorce you know, papers came in, or but it's like, no, 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 no. Life is going to continue and you can either resist it and suffer or you can get on board and go with the flow. This doesn't mean though, this is why I'm saying it's like really important. And I talked about in the beginning that I had to allow myself to grieve. I allow myself to grieve now. I allow myself to feel the feelings in the moment. But the one thing I never try to do is to build altars to my suffering. I don't stop worshiping my sadness. When you let yourself really fully feel a thing as it arises, I always say, in order to heal it, you have to feel it. And part of healing it and part of feeling it is you don't make it like too real, as I say in A Course in Miracles, right? We don't wanna make it too real, like the truth right? The truth is that you are eternal. The truth is, is that you are a child of God. The truth is that you're spirit. Right now in the illusion, in the dream, we've taken on a meat puppet, right? But this sucker, right? This meat puppet, this costume goes back to the costume shop at the end of the party. <laughs> so the body's going to go, the physical presence is going to go. But what's the legacy piece that we're going to leave behind for the ones who are still here? I always say that people are like, oh, it's so awful that your mother died so young. And I'm like, of course it was awful. Like she was a victim of a brutal crime, right? That was awful. But you know who was really continuing to suffer? Those of us who are still here trying to navigate the new reality, the new landscape, like without my mother, right? And so, so much of my suffering was I was resisting the fact that she was now gone. I didn't want her to be gone. I wanted her to comfort me. I wanted her to hold my hand. I wanted her to tell me it was going to be okay. And that's just not how it goes, right? <laughs> it's like life doesn't give a shit 
about how uncomfortable and how unhappy you are. And just last week, right? So just dealing with all this stuff with like, um, you know, little Susie and getting ready for this retreat. I had talked about this. It's like, there was so many things that like needed my attention. And I still had clients to talk with and to help and to, you know, I'm, 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 I am responsible. You know, um, these people are quote unquote, for lack of a better word, I like to think in my care for the amount of time that we're working together. So it's not fair to them for me to be like, and it's not like I couldn't say to them, Hey, I need a day to myself. Cause I remember when, when my dog, my beloved border collie, Abby, um, she died, she died, I want to say like six, no more than that, maybe seven, maybe like six years ago. Um, Abby, we had to say goodbye to her. She was like 14. And Abby was like, no joke, you guys, legit, like one of my best friends. She was one, like my most loyal companion. And um, when, when she died, man, it just felt like, like, dude, it was so, it was so hard. And I took three days off. I legit closed my studio. I sent out an email. I told all my students, I said, look, um, I need to take these days to like get it together. to like, just feel all my feelings and to cry it out. And I still cried in class. Like after that, like somebody would ask me, somebody would say to me, how are you doing? And I would just burst into tears in front of everybody and people would hug me. They were so sweet. My students were so sweet and they understood because they knew how much I loved Abby. And, um, but, but I was like, you know, at some point life doesn't care. There's like, there's still heat, there's still heat, you know, there's still a heat bill. <laughs> there's still laundry to do. You still got to go food shopping. You still got to clean the kitchen. You still got to clean the toilets, right? Like life doesn't give a shit that like, and, and that's what I'm saying. Like my schedule, my schedule was still demanding, right? I was really sad about Susie. And even like yesterday, like I was thinking about this yesterday. We have so many things going on with our, with our furry kids. So my bunny was having some, my bunny had to have her teeth ground down. Like it's a very common thing, I guess, with bunny. I'm learning so much. I've had a bunny for six years and I'm still learning new shit all the time. So, um, you know, my day is squeezed pretty tight this week because it's a coaching week and I have this retreat and da 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 And then my bunny decides to stop eating. Lo and behold, bunnies cannot go more than, unlike dogs, cats, people who cannot eat for a few days and be fine, bunnies will die if they don't eat, like they can't go more than 24 hours without eating. So my vet's like, how's she doing at the, after the teeth grinding? I'm like, oh, well, she's not really eating. They're like, you need to bring her in. We need to stop force feeding her. I'm like, what? And I'm like, I have client calls. Like I have shit to do. My whole point being is like, the world doesn't care that you're sick. Life doesn't care that you have a cold, but you have to be on stage, right? Life is going to go on. My point being is that if we don't discover ways to navigate this inconvenient truth, <laughs> right? If we don't get some tools in our toolbox to learn how to go with the flow, right? Cause sometimes I always say like life is going to go on and you can choose to step out of the flow of life for a few days. I've seen people who have been devastated by a loss, by a family loss, and they've taken themselves out of the flow of life for like months, if not a year or two at a time, where they just step out and they don't participate. They just can't handle the, um, I'm trying to think of the word. It's not intensity. The, um, maybe it's immensity, the enormity, the enormity of the loss that they're feeling. And so it's like when you can step out, 
but the train is still leaving the station. And so I just want to encourage people like to think about this when you're going through a hard time, it's not that um, often that other people don't care. You know, people often say to me, people who uh, I work with a lot of people, obviously who, who have, who are suffering or who are um, navigating through grief and navigating through traumas and dramas and, and situations that are just fucking hard. It's just the truth. It's just wicked hard shit, right? Those are the people I often work with. And, um, They'll often say like, oh my God, yeah, when, when this happened, like, oh, we had support for the first month or the first two months. But then after that, and you see it, it's very common, right? When there's a death, when there's a death and everybody brings a casserole and people are like, you know, like, hey, I'll watch your kids or hey, I'll walk your dog. Hey, I'll do some laundry. What can I do to help out? But eventually those people, like they need to get back to their own fucking lives. And we can either resent it, we can get mad about it, or we can understand that the universal principle of this life is that it's not here to make things convenient for you. This, this world is basically predicated on duality, which means you're always gonna on some level feel separate and suffering and the fact that like as soon as you have a body and you're born, um, it ends in you dying. So we know it doesn't end well. I always say this, it doesn't end well for us, <laughs> right? And so it's like, how am I gonna navigate the times when life is really, really hard? And how can I navigate it? And ask for support, but also understand and not get really mad when other people, right, are like, hey, I love you and I care about you, but I have to attend to my own business because there are businesses and there are other children to feed and there are other causes and there are other things to do. But here's the powerful thing that I'm, I, I guess I'm finally going to make a point, <laughs> sorry, is that if you're doing your daily spiritual work, if you are building your house on rock instead of sand, if you are being devotional and have faith in something, right? Just greater than you. Um, if you build what Eknath Ashwaran, my meditation teacher would say, if you install internal stabilizers, then no matter how rough the ocean gets, think of, if you think of yourself like a, um, a sea vessel, a seaworthy vessel, like a ship, right? When you are building this and you build it each day by choosing the thoughts, words, and actions, by aligning yourself with God, by aligning yourself with the divine, with the true strength that lives within you, right? Not your own strength, because if you rely on your own strength, of course, miracles tells us we have every right to be scared, anxious, fearful, worried. <laughs> but if you're relying on a strength that is greater than you, right, and you start to build internal stabilizers, right, into yourself, into your mind, into your being, then when the seas of life get rough, you don't get taken out. You can navigate. This doesn't mean that you won't fucking cry. It doesn't mean you won't be brought to your knees. It doesn't mean that you won't be staggered by the immensity of the pain that you feel, right? But what I'm saying is that you will understand that life goes on. And not only that, you will get back to the living. You won't be permanently taken out. You, like, hopefully this is the thing. It's like, so I remember when I used to smoke, I remember when I used to drink. I remember when I used to do drugs, but that was like back in the, way back in the day with the drugs. <laughs> I stopped that eh, like my twenties, but, um, but the drinking, and it wasn't like drinking like to excess, but I drank, you know, I drank. I, I mean, I took my first drink. The first time I got drunk, I was 12 years old. I've told this story. If you haven't listened to the let's talk about drinking episode, that's a really good one, you guys. But I guess what I'm saying is now when something happens, I don't look outside of myself for a numbing agent or a stabilizing agent. Like I don't need the nicotine. I don't need 
I don't need booze. I don't need like, you know, maybe, maybe I, I don't know. I mean, I'm vegan. So even the comfort food I would choose, it's not like <laughs> incredibly awful or whatever, but I think it's because I've learned how to navigate my pain. I've learned how to navigate um, life and what life brings to you. And I always say, like, I got an early head start as a young kid with a dead mom. Like, I've learned to navigate things. And now I have an, not even just, I mean, I guess it's just an expectation that I know that life goes on. So I don't get pissed off so much, right? And I know how busy everybody else is. And I remember I used to walk around with all these expectations of my own maybe self-importance of, like, don't they understand how much, like, how I'm feeling? And I was like, well, it's not their business to take care of you, right? It's not their job, I should say, to take care of you. This is about you learning how to build your house on rock, you putting in place internal stabilizers, which we can do through daily spiritual practices like prayer and meditation. And if you're a Course in Miracles student doing the daily lessons, right? However it is that you connect to your source, to the light of the world that you are, to the love that you are, so that you can navigate things from a place of love instead of a place of fear, because fear is that scarcity mindset. Fear is that victimized mindset. Fear is that mindset of like, I've been taken out. Again, it doesn't mean you won't have difficult days, but when you learn to just be with your feelings and to not like suppress them or to make them bad or to make yourself feel like, oh, well, that's weak. You know, it's so fascinating. Somebody, um, somebody just sent me something. I have uh, one, of my, one of my dear friends just lost her mother-in-law. And um, my other friend, so these are women in, in my writing group, and the other women um, were talking about how she had lost her mom, you know, much earlier and stuff too. And there's this beautiful thing that she said, um, and she's quoting, I want to say, I want to look it up right now. That's what I'm doing right now. Oh, it's a guy named Wallace Stegner. Wallace Stegner, and he was talking about, um, about what it's like to lose your mom. And he had this beautiful, powerful line, you guys. He says, um, you are both a lasting presence and an unhealed wound. And she sent that to us. And I've been really thinking about that, right? You are a lasting presence and an unhealed wound. And I was thinking about this, how when people we love die or our companion animals die, our furry friends, our furry kids die, um, they are a lasting presence. They'll always be with us. Um, and as far as the unhealed wound goes, I do think that the wound can heal but it's going to leave a mark. That's what I always say. I go, no, I, I believe, I believe that the wound can heal, but it's going to leave a mark, right? It's going to leave a scar. Like it's going to leave the missing mom scar. It's going to leave the missing kid scar, right? It's going to leave that. But I, I do believe that the wound can be healed. Um, and we do this, I think, through our trust and our faith, you know, in the divine. And that's why, you know, I think, Having, having these spiritual kind of principles in your life that you can look to for comfort, for strength, for peace, for happiness, for guidance. It's like so, so, so important because it can be really easy to feel insignificant when you are suffering and yet you see the rest of life happening. When you look outside the window of yourself and you know that you might know, right, that you are feeling anxious or scared or depressed or hurt or pissed off or angry or just, right? But you look out and everybody else just seems to be going about their business. And it can be really easy to start to buy the bullshit story that you don't matter or that you're alone that nobody understands you, that you're completely misunderstood. 
because we are all way more alike than we want to admit. Like we all suffer. All beings have the capacity for suffering. And if you look into the animal world, it's really, it's really amazing. Like even animals grieve. And I don't mean like, and I say that because people often don't think that animals, right, have feelings. But I'm going to tell you right now, if you've ever had a relationship with any animal, any animal from a chinchilla to a squirrel to whatever, all the way up to an elephant, right? Um, you see that they develop friendships. You see that they develop loving relationships, that they have trust, that they have senses of humor, that they're intelligent, that they have souls. Like you see it. And, you know, some animals um, will grieve for a long time when you take one of their children away from them, which, um, you know, this is animal agriculture. If you heard the bellowing of a mother cow when they took her calf away, um, it's almost unbearable for me. It's, it's, uh, it, it, is, it is haunting. It is haunting the way um, that they grieve. And, um, and then at some point, though, what are they going to do, right? Because the nature of this world is that life goes on. And you can either resent this fact or you can get right with it. And part of the ways that we get right with it is we feel the feelings. We install right? The internal stabilizes. We get help if we need it. And we don't walk around pissed off about it. It's just the way that it is. Somebody said to me the other day, I said, it is what it is. And somebody's like, I hate that saying. And I'm like, really, I love it. Because I think it gives us a really clean slate to say, like, I'm going to look unflinchingly at this. This sucks. This blows. Like, I am balls deep in suffering right now, right? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, it's just like to be able to claim it and say, like, yeah, this moment right now, I'm not putting a pretty bow on it. This blows. And I know that my life will go on, that I will heal, that this too will be something for me when I'm ready to receive it. It doesn't mean we deny the very human experience of this sucks because life is going on. But at some point we start to celebrate what a gift right? I've had people who have had like lost a grandparent and then had a baby born in the family like the same day or whatever. And it's just like this really magical thing of seeing how, oh, the miracle of this, this like life, right? Some people will call it a miracle. I mean, of course, a miracle is people, we might look at it a little differently, but I'll just go with kind of the, the illusion uh, version of, of that. It's like, you know, um, what a miracle and what a gift that life goes on that we can choose to perceive something through a new lens so that we don't have to be like me, like that little 12-year-old kid who was gobsmacked, who was like flabbergasted about the fact that the sun could even shine, that the sun could even shine after my mother died. It, it just felt so offensive to me, <laughs> right? And now look at me now, right? All these years later. And thank God on some level. And I mean it like, you know, again, I'm doing the dualistic thing. I'm talking, I'm not doing like high-minded Course in Miracles thing. I'm just saying like um, how amazing that we have the opportunity to explore what it's like to have such deep love and to, to be able to experience grief. Um, you know, and somebody once said, I think I'm going to do a whole show on grief, you know, but somebody once said like, um, no, you know what? I'm going to save that thought. Sorry. That was a little teasy. I didn't mean to be a tease. <laughs> I'm like, I gotta, I'm going to reserve that thought for when I actually do a show on grief. But here's the thing, you guys, um, we're going to suffer losses. 
right? We're going to have experiences where we're sad and beings and people that we love are going to go away. Relationships that you were in are going to change and shift. Jobs that you had are going to fall off. Um, ideas aren't going to work out. Your businesses are going to sh- take head, take a, you know, a, a face plan into the shitter. <laughs> like things are going to happen. And the beautiful thing is, is that life goes on. And if you need a reprieve for a little bit, if you need to step out and, and do self-care and get some help and whatever, like, yeah, do it. And then when you're ready, and if you find that you're having a hard time being ready, this is where people like me, spiritual mentors, I know spiritual mentors can be helpful, coaches, good coaches, fucking do your homework, please. Therapists, you know, like, um, what are they called? Like, you know, pastoral counselors, things like that. You know, because we're all going to have those times when we're going to find that we need a little help. And the bottom line is, is that we, you know, we, um, nobody can do the work for us. Nobody else can do the work for us. We have to be willing to surrender our suffering and to transform it, you know, to transform it, to transform the story into the glory, which is the work that I do, right? Um, nobody can do it for you, but you don't have to do it alone. And sometimes all of us at some point in our life need help. And excuse me, hopefully, um, hopefully we can be strong enough to ask for it. Because I know for a lot of people, um, you know, and especially, uh, let me just say this about grieving a pet. A lot of people are like, it's just a dog. It's just a cat. It's just a horse. It's just an animal. Because they don't understand that those of us who have come to love our furry friends and family members, um, we understand that they're, it's not just an animal. This is a fellow brother and sister that just might be in a different skin. Do you see what I'm saying? They might look different, but when you love it, when you love an animal, when you let down your God and you love these beings, you understand, what do you think we are? Humans are just, you know, a little more sophisticated animals. I would sometimes say that animals are actually friggin' way smarter than us. You know what I mean? Like my dog is never sitting there going like, oh, should I use a filter and post a picture of myself on Instagram so that people like me? My pets have never been confused about who they are, you know, and why they are like they, they just, you know, show up in all their glory. So anyways, you guys, I hope this was helpful in some way. You know, um, I, I hope you, you, I mean, I, I guess part of it is like, just don't take it personally. Don't take it personally that life goes on. Don't get pissed off at other people because they continue to move on with their life because it's really easy to stand outside of a thing and to judge people and to say, how could they do that? How could they start dating again so fast? Or how could they, go back to school so quickly or how could they like, you know, but it's like, we almost never, ever, ever know. Not only do we not ever often don't ever know unless we actually care enough to ask, we don't know what's going on in somebody's mind or in somebody's heart. We don't really know the story. This is why knowing a person's story is so helpful and asking them because it's through that understanding that we'll know it's so fucking easy to stand outside of people and to judge them and to say, how could they start? How could they fill in the blank? And it's like, because we all navigate loss in life differently. And this is why if we show up with curiosity instead of judgment, we'll be a lot happier, you know? And so just don't take, don't take it personally. When, when you are in a place of suffering and you're kind of blinded by your own pain to, to start to judge other people about maybe how they're approaching things or how they're doing things. Because the bottom line is, last time I'm going to say it, life goes on. And caveat, and I might do a whole show about this too, life isn't fair. And when you make peace with that, when you make peace 
with that piece of shit <laughs> truth because <laughs> that's how it feels like that is some shit right there that life isn't fair mm -hmm. but it's true this world is not designed uh in your favor and that's the big hint i always tell you because you get a body you know you're dying <laughs> so not fair not in your favor you know what i'm saying so i love you guys um i hope that um I hope that your life is going on in a way that you are happy and healthy and whole and healed and that you understand your holiness. And um, just thanks for being here. Thanks for being awesome. And for all of you that responded, um, I did a little post about Susie Rabbit uh, the other day. And like hundreds of you were just so, so, so kind and responded and left me little notes of kindness and compassion. And it meant, it really means so much to me. And um, and so I just want you to know that I received it. I received all that love and no doubt that was part of my, my healing process, right? And it's still a healing process, but here's the thing. I, I know that Susie is with me. My life goes on and my life is better for having had her in it. You know what I mean? And so I'm doing great. And I appreciate uh, those of you who have checked in and reached it out and text and sent me messages and did all this stuff. Like you guys are the best. Uh, Susie Rabbit lives on in, um, in my heart, in my mind, in my spirit. She's a part of this world. I mean, that, that white blanket back there, those of you that can see it, the fuzzy white blanket back there, uh, she's left like a permanent mark on it from where she always used to lay on it. And so there's all these little reminders, you know, and sometimes those little reminders can make you sad, but sometimes they make me so happy that I think like, oh, it's all these little reminders of what a, what a feisty uh, little spirit she was and what a blessing she was to our life. So you guys, life goes on. And I'm so happy to be doing this life um, partly with, with some of you as we walk each other. As Ram Dass says, we're all just walking each other home uh, in this life together. So I hope you have a fantastic Thanksgiving if you're listening to this. I hope that you really, truly do stop, reflect, and pause, right, about so much that we have to be thankful for. Even the hard shit, you guys. Even the hard stuff we get to, uh, with enough perspective and a shift in the mind from fear to love, we get to be grateful for that. And if you listen to the episode about mentors and tormentors, you know exactly what I'm talking about. All right, you guys, I, I, I love you. I appreciate you. I celebrate you. Wherever you go, may you be a blessing. Happy Thanksgiving. I'm so grateful for all of you. Bye. guys thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the karen kenny show <laughs> i super duper appreciate your time friendship and support and look if something that i shared from my heart today somehow landed in yours i'd love to hear about it so please tag me on facebook or instagram or ig stories or wherever the cool kids are hanging out these days and let me know what your favorite part was or what you found most helpful. You can find me over at Karen Kenny Live. That's Karen, K-E-N-N-E-Y-L-I-V-E. -E. And if you're digging what I'm saying and you want to hear more, I'd be wicked grateful if you could go to iTunes and subscribe and leave a review because you guys, that's how you'll help me to keep spreading the love. And if you can think of someone that could benefit from hearing this episode, please share it with them. I'd also love to stay connected with you. So if the feeling is mutual, please go to karenkenny.com backslash freebie and download my free guide to building your spiritual team. Until next time, my brothers and sisters, 
Keep living in the fearless flow. Know that I see you, I appreciate you, and I love you. And wherever you go, may you be a blessing.